It's Monday, September 17th, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, this is our weekly Monday Bible study and call to prayer. Today, we are continuing our study on the book, Basic Christianity by John Stott, and we will be looking specifically at chapter 9, Counting the Cost. Well, Stott opens up the chapter saying, Jesus never concealed the fact that his religion included a demand as well as an offer. Indeed, the demand was as total as the offer was free. His offer of salvation always brings with it the requirement that we obey him. And the demand that accompanies the offer is this our obedience. The offer is abundant and eternal life, while the demand is to renounce all other things but Christ. This is what Jesus says in, in Luke's gospel, chapter 14, verses 26 to 33. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own mother and father and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoa, what a, what a hard, hard teaching. That if our love and devotion to the Lord doesn't look like hatred to all else, even our own life, then we cannot be his disciple. But then he goes on, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost. Rather, he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation, is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or, or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not first sit down and deliberate? Rather, he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation, asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Jesus calls us to sacrifice our lives because he loves us. He is the shepherd who protects us. He is a father who delights in us. And he is a king who provides for us. So Jesus' call to sacrifice is out of love for us. The Lord Jesus has made us his own, grafted us into his family. The offer is so much more supreme than the demand. Because the demand is to lose ourselves, while the other is none less than the very presence of Jesus himself. That's why Paul says it in Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Not that I have already obtained this or am already made perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind me and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Beloved brothers and sisters, this is not nominal Christianity or a prosperity gospel, but this is a gospel of surrender. And when we surrender our tiny kingdom, we get the heavenly kingdom. Following Christ is not a respectable and comfortable thing. Oh, but following Christ is a glorious thing because out of love, we follow the lover of 
our souls. Christ asked us to surrender because he loved us. Undoubtedly, you've heard this story, but but the story of the pearl necklace, it goes like this. Jenny was a cheerful girl with bouncy golden curls and almost five. Waiting with her mother at the checkout stand, she saw them, a circle of glistening white pearls in a pink foil box. Oh, please, Mommy. Can I have them? Please. Mommy, please. Quickly, the mother checked the back of the little foil box and then looked back into the pleading blue eyes of her little girl's upturned face. It's $1.95, Jenny. That's almost $2. If you really want them, I'll think of some extra chores for you, and in no time, you can save enough money to buy them for yourself. Your birthday's only a week away, and you might get another crisp dollar bill from Grandma. As soon as Jenny got home, she emptied her penny bank and counted out 17 pennies. After dinner, she did more than her share of chores, and she went to the neighbor and asked Mrs. McJames if she could pick dandelions for 10 cents. On her birthday, Grandma did give her another new dollar bill, and at last she had enough money to buy the necklace. Jenny loved her pearls. They made her feel dressed up and grown up. She wore them everywhere, Sunday school, kindergarten, even to bed. The only time she took them off was when she went swimming or had a bubble bath. Mother said if they got wet, they might turn her neck green. Jenny had a very loving daddy, and every night when she was ready for bed, he would stop whatever he was doing and come upstairs to read her a story. One night when he finished the story, he asked Jenny, Jenny, do you love me? Oh, yes, daddy. You know that I love you. Then give me your pearls. Oh, Daddy, not my pearls, but you can have my princess, the white horse from my collection, the one with a pink tail. Remember, Daddy, the one you gave me? She's my favorite. That's okay, honey. Daddy loves you. Good night. And he brushed her cheek with a kiss. About a week later, after story time, Jenny's daddy asked again, Do you love me? Daddy, you know I love you. Then give me your pearls. Oh, Daddy, not my pearls. You can have my baby doll, the brand new one I got for my birthday. She's so beautiful, and you can have the yellow blanket that matches her sleeper. That's okay, sweet one. Sleep well. God bless you, little one. Daddy loves you. And as always, he brushed her cheek with a gentle kiss. A few nights later, when her daddy came in, Jenny was sitting on her bed with her legs crossed Indian style. As he came close, he noticed her chin was trembling, and one silent tear rolled down her cheek. What is it, Jenny? What's the matter? Jenny didn't say anything, but lifted her little hand up to her daddy. And when she opened it, there was her little pearl necklace. With a little quiver, she finally said, Here, daddy, it's for you. With tears gathering in his own eyes, Jenny's kind daddy reached out with one hand to take the dime store necklace, and with the other hand, he reached into his pocket and pulled a blue velvet case with a strand of genuine pearls and gave them to Jenny. He had them all the time. He was just waiting for her to give up the dime store stuff so he could give her genuine treasure. Oh, beloved, you see, Jesus' call to salvation demands total surrender. He wants the part of our lives that we guard and hold on to with sweaty palms because salvation is never a matter of external reformation, but it's always a matter of internal transformation. Jesus is not merely a respectable teacher. He is a sovereign Lord. And because he's sovereign, he sees the big picture. We see only in part, just like the little girl was holding on to dime store pearls because she loved them, right? Our great God has something even better that he sees. We may not see it in the moment, but he wants us to surrender the paltry in order that we can get the eternal. Oh, that's why it, in Mark's gospel, we see these commands reported. This is what Jesus says in Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 38. 
And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would seek to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. Oh, the, the, the economics of the thing. Your soul is so much more precious. Your soul being held by God is so much more precious than anything that you could gain in the world. Even if you could gain the whole world, your soul in the hand of God is so much more precious and so much more valuable. And so Jesus gives a radical command. Jesus always gives commands, not considerations. He gives this radical command to, to, to take up your cross, to die to yourself, and to follow Jesus, right? So as true followers of Jesus, we do not consider options, but we obey. So when Jesus says, follow me, we follow him. We give Jesus our personal allegiance. We follow him and we are marked by him. We forsake all lesser loyalties and we give Jesus what he demands first place in our lives. And so Stott in this chapter, chapter nine, gives three conditions for following Jesus. Number one, repentance. We must repent. We must turn away from our sins. We must do a 360 from the life that we are currently living. Oh, we renunciate our old self in sin. We turn away from the trappings of this life and follow Jesus. This could require restitution, right? When Zacchaeus sees his sin in the face to face in the light of the glory of Jesus the Christ, he says in Luke 19, 8, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Oh, repentance is more than saying we are sorry. Repentance drives us to despise our sin, to hate the consequences of our sin, and to thirst for holiness. Oh, but the second condition that Stott gives for following Jesus is renunciation of self-will. Right? We, we give away our self-will. We give away our self and our desires for ourselves. This is what Paul says to the church at Colossae in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1-10. through 10. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these two you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. But do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So we deny self and the desires of the flesh. We disown ourselves and we daily, moment by moment, die to ourselves by taking up the cross and following him. Oh, but this brings us to the third and the last condition that Stott gives for following Jesus, which is we make Christ Lord. We make him Lord. 
Paul says to the church at Philippi in Philippians 2, 9 through 11, therefore God has highly exalted him and behold, bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We must make much of Jesus with our lives. We must obey him and follow him. We give him every square inch of our lives, our wills and our desires. We give our work to the will of God. We are not to be idle, but we are to serve the Lord, not man. No matter what you do, if you're a lawyer, a doctor, a a stay-at-home mom, a school teacher, no matter what it is you do, we give it to the Lord. He is our God and we work unto him. Every square inch of our lives is him. We give our work to the will of God and we speak boldly of the excellencies of Christ. Lifeline as a ministry needs to be quick to acknowledge Christ and the goodness of his great gospel. May Lifeline proclaim the glorious gospel where we deny ourselves and we get the presence uh, and life of the glorious, holy, marvelous creator God. You see the birth mothers we work with? They need to surrender themselves. They need to surrender their will to the lordship of Christ so that they can receive the glorious presence of God that will never leave them, that will never forsake them, and will make them whole. Families that, that are being restored by this gospel, who have lost their children to foster care, who have lost their children uh, to the system. When they surrender their will, their wants, and their desires, they in turn get the restored power of the life of Christ. And so as a ministry, we are nothing without Christ. So we give up the things that might make our days easier in order to get the only thing that can never be taken away, the presence of God. Oh, that is why Jim Elliott said, he is no fool who gives away what he cannot keep in order to gain what he can never lose. And that's why Paul says to the church at Philippi again in Philippians chapter 1, verses 18 through 21, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that that I rejoice. To live is Christ, yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. And it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be put to shame, but that with your, but with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Oh, beloved, we must surrender ourselves to Christ. Oh, but not only are we to surrender, there are some beautiful incentives to this surrender. Oh, first, we get abundant life, life that is plentiful and life that is not lacking. Jesus says in John 10, 9 through 11, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. One of the incentives of our total surrender is we get abundant life, plentiful life that is not lacking. But number two, we begin to find our true self. We find ourselves. Our true self is not found in selfishly following our flesh, but in denying the flesh and being reunited with our creator. You see, sin separated us from God, but through the wounds of Christ, we are reconciled to God, our creator, who reveals to us who we were supposed to be in the very beginning. That's why Peter says in his epistle in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 24 through 25, he, Jesus himself, bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. 
We were not meant for sin. We were meant for righteousness. By Jesus' wounds, you've been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Oh, beloved, we find ourselves in Christ. We find ourselves in the Creator. We do not find ourselves in seeking our own selfish desires. We find ourselves in forsaking ourselves to Christ in order that He may show us who we really are. And that's why Paul says again in Colossians chapter 1, Verses 19 to 23. For in Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation, creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Oh, we find ourselves in our sacrifice to Christ. But the third thing that we see, the third incentive is that we surrender all for the sake of others to proclaim the salt and light gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, I love what David the psalmist says in Psalm 115. He says this, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Why should the nation say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear. Noses, but do not smell. They have hands, but do not feel. Feet, but do not walk. And they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord Yahweh, trust in the Lord Yahweh. He is their help and their shield. The Lord has remembered us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both the small and the great. May the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of man. Verse 17, the dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go down into silence, but we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. Oh, beloved, we must proclaim the gospel and it is an incentive of our surrender to Christ that we have a great opportunity to proclaim this gospel. Oh, beloved, the dead cannot praise the Lord. So we must preach this gospel with urgency to those who are perishing. There are those in our families. There are those in our friends. There are orphans around the world that are perishing without the hope of the gospel. And one of the incentives of our surrender to Christ as we count the cost, as we get the opportunity to proclaim this glorious gospel. Jesus is inviting us in to be a proclaimer of this glorious gospel. Oh, what a blessing. And Stott ends the chapter this way. He says this, if then you suffer from moral anemia, take my advice and steer clear of Christianity. If you want a life of easygoing self-indulgence, then do not, whatever you do, become a Christian. But if you want a life of self-discovery, deeply satisfying to the nature God has given you, if you want a life of adventure in which you have the privilege of serving Him and other people, if you want a life in which to express something of the overwhelming gratitude you are beginning to feel for Him who died for you, then I urge you to yield your life without reservation and without delay to your Lord and your Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, beloved, 
Let's risk it all and obey the Lord so that his name may be proclaimed through us to all the nations here at home and abroad. And the question for you is, what is he asking you to do? How is he asking you to follow through, counting the cost? Maybe it's to begin the adoption process. Maybe it's to be a foster parent. Maybe it's to stand in the gap for someone who's already adopting or fostering. Maybe it's to go with us with unadopted to proclaim the good news of the great gospel to orphans in need. Whatever it is, count the cost, be faithful and obey. This week, we are praying for the country of Peru. We are praying for the children of Peru that they would hear the gospel and would also be sustained in their times of difficulty and waiting. We're praying for the government to create better advocacy policies for the children to be declared abandoned, to be eligible for adoption, or to be reunited with biological parents. We're praying that God would provide more families for the over 300 waiting kids in Peru. We are praying for the children at Our Partner Not Forgotten and for Jean and Patty as they lead the staff who care for the boys at this home, as well as for Tyler and Allison as they lead from here in the United States, the team at Not Forgotten. We're praying for the government of Peru and the central authority to make wise decisions about orphan care. There are some things that we are continuing to work through culturally, spiritually, and politically with the government officials there. Pray for favor and pray that God will humble everyone to work best for the interest of the children. Please pray for our uh, partner, and our representative Marisa, we are thankful for her and over 10 years of service with her in partnership with her and with Lifeline and with her advocacy for families and children. Please pray for current families that are going through the process and uh, that are, are waiting for appeals to be heard or are their letters to be submitted or them to be matched with their families. And we pray as well for families who are already home with children from Peru. We pray for continued bonding and attachment. We pray for opportunities for the children to hear the gospel. Praise the Lord for the families who've committed to the program despite difficulties. We're thankful for their patience in the process and their passion for the country of Peru. And pray, oh, pray for the Lord to continue them with strength and endurance. And we praise God for the opportunity to work with New Life Children's Home and Pastor Mike Kennedy and all the things that we have done. And we just are thankful for them. And we also, again, are just thankful for Marisa and we pray for her. She celebrated a birthday last week and we are just so thankful for her commitment and her advocacy for the children of of Peru. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to work in Peru. Uh, we thank you for our partners, for Marisa, uh, for Forgotten Children, Not Forgotten Children's Home. We thank you for uh, Mike Kennedy and for the work that he does for New Life, with New Life Children's Home. And Lord, we thank you so much for our team that works tirelessly in Peru, for Meredith and for Beth and for Josh. And Lord, we just pray for continued favor with the government. But most importantly, we pray that the Spirit of God would be felt in Peru, that lives would be changed, that lives would be touched and that from the Amazon basin to the jungles and the rainforest to the, the dry arid area of Lima that your gospel would be proclaimed that your gospel would be heard and that men women boys and girls would turn to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ strengthen the church strengthen the church to be a voice in Peru for your great gospel and we pray for change within the government to be open to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and we ask all these things in your precious name the name of Jesus well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel to you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.